I think that it will be looked upon as a massive missed opportunity. And I think that Benioff and Vice will not be uh, remembered kindly for messing it up. The rumors are that they wanted to go into a different Disney show, like a Star Wars show or something. Were they meant to be doing the trilogy at one point? They were going to do like a new trilogy and then that's all like turned into one film and then it just turned into like nothing. <laughs> well, all I got to say is lol, if that is the case, if that's what they were yeah. going to, if that's what they slide off for. And also shame on Disney for doing that in the first place. It's like, don't give those people that ultimatum. Don't wreck this show for everybody just so you can potentially have this with, um, with these two directors. Hello and welcome to Well Good Movies Lockdown. I'm your host, David Osger. We are here for you still in this time of madness going on in the world. Um, I'm joined as usual by my co-host through the powers of social distancing, through the power of technology. Um, So as this is now subtitled Well Good Movies Lockdown, uh, Craig, I wanted to know what you thought your wrestling name would be. Craig seems to be taken hostage, apparently. Oh, hello, hello. Uh, Are you okay? Yeah, no, I'm taking social distancing really seriously. Uh, I'm in a Vietnamese prison at the moment. (laughs) Right, okay. Is that actually safe? Have you like traveled there or like through plane? Or oh no, no, it's uh, a a guy that I know built it. Uh, it's like down the road from my house, but it is run like a Vietnamese prison. Okay. Fun fact about this guy: he's the guy who stole my boss's Facebook account. Be on the lookout then. There's uh, some crafty things going on this time of year. Yeah. So yes, guys, we are joined by our frequent guest and friend of the show. He also is a host on We Make Things Fight. It is Matt Troy. Hello. Sup, nerds. How are you? I'm good, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm I'm actually really enjoying lockdown. Um, I've got the house to myself. Uh, I have well-stocked cupboards. I've uh, moved my television Ooh. from its normal place because I was doing some work from home. I plugged it into my laptop as a second monitor. Oh, okay. And <laughs> boy, was I looking at those spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. There's so many crazy things you're seeing of people w- using workarounds and stuff like working at home. I think one of my favorites was seeing like a picture of like a woman who's just literally there on a computer and just like some children just tied up and gagged like on the floor. <laughs> so yeah, I have no no envy for parents at the moment who are having to deal with that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But like I said, it's a great time to be a movie and TV lover. Lots of people out there asking, you know, for recommendations of what to watch. Uh, streaming is, you know, more popular and busy than ever. We're seeing Hollywood movies now moving over to there for rent, etc. So, like I said, we're going to be here for you guys to keep recommending stuff, keep talking about these fun topics, and, uh, yeah, give you some positivity in these uh, crazy times. So, first of all, we were talking earlier about what's given us some joy and positivity during this this lockdown period. Uh, Craig, what, what was the one uh, you you were thinking of? So a couple of friends recently suggested to me a video, which is what I can only describe as a video I can no longer ever live without. Uh, it's a it's a rap duo or technically a trio uh, with one act being Tinchy Strider 
and the other act being the Chuckle Brothers. The song is called... <laughs> oh, that's great. I've seen this. The song is called To Me, To You, Bruv. And it is it's genuinely <laughs> amazing. And like David asked me before the show, is it literally like somebody's just spliced together clips? No, no, no. It's They are actually in the same place together, actually talking to each other. And it just, it's so weird, but wonderful. And at one point, there's literally rap beats where they're going, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. And it's just so stupid. You, you said you've seen this as well, Matt, have you? I can't verify that Craig is not mad and this is definitely <laughs> something that actually exists uh yeah i saw it it's it's quite it's quite a few years old now well obviously because one of the chuckle brothers is dead now yeah yeah i, I can remember from a while back but it, it is great yeah in this time like i said it, it doesn't have to be movie or tv related it's just those things that's all like help and and there's loads of people doing fun things at home you know whether they're doing like you know live streams or um funny tiktoks that kind of stuff and and something like that which could be a bit older which you then like rediscover years later uh matt is there any videos that the that spring to your mind of sort of being a, a help in this turbulent time yeah i got a couple actually um one i think that at least one of you will know of but there's like five or six videos from a few years ago uh called don't hug me i'm scared oh my god oh yes yes <laughs> <laughs> um i've watched all of those again recently and uh, i just i don't know i just think there's something very special about them in very anxious times so like to you know if, if you haven't ever heard of these videos you can find them on youtube they're essentially very sort of like charming puppets like in a sort of a, a sesame street style they live together in a house and uh, every episode they learn something from an uh, uh, inanimate object singing a song to them or telling them a story and it always ends up getting surreal and horrific and there's like bits where they're rolling organs in glitter and uh being screamed at by a clock and joining a cult and getting eaten by a can of uh, of food (laughs) and yeah it just gets weirder and weirder as it goes along and yeah it's just given me an enormous amount of comfort by being so absolutely crazy and putting things into perspective uh, on the flip side of, of that um, is there's a video series. I mentioned this in, it's actually not even been released yet, but I, I don't care, I'm going to do it anyway. As we mentioned in the next episode of We Make Things Fight, there's a video channel um, on YouTube that I'm obsessed with called Townsend and Son. And okay. it's basically like a Bob Ross of, of 18th century cooking or like a Tony Hart of 18th century cooking. He's just a very chilled out, relaxing man who um, tells you how to make food in the traditional style, like a traditional frontier America sort of style. And if the episode doesn't have him using nutmeg for a fancier version of the recipe, probably not even worth watching. (laughs) But yeah, he's great and he's very relaxing. He's charming and he's really lovely. And uh, I've watched like hours and hours of this. This isn't the same. What's that one with is that guy who like um used to do like college tutorials? It was like on college TV, and he was like how to make spaghetti tin spaghetti, and he was like opening the can. He was like you just pour your bolognese sauce into the saucepan here. Oh no! And then no, it doesn't sound <laughs> no, like that no. guy. But I know the guy you're talking about. That guy's yeah. beautifully depressing. Yes, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Yeah, it is weird when you get those bizarre, ludicrous things that then become, like, say, more entertaining. Don't don't hug me, I'm scared. Is is a perfect example. You um, need to be in the right mindset for "Don't hug me, I'm scared." 
Yeah. I think you need to be grossly unprepared for what's to come. I think that's the only <laughs> the only prerequisite that you need. And and you can watch the first one, and then if you like it, you'll watch them all. That's what I say. Yeah. I just yeah. no sharp objects around, please. <laughs> The main thing that we want to talk about today, though, guys, is a TV series. So something quite new for us. We always talk about like movies and big film series, franchises, old films. Uh, but we've never had much of a chance to talk about actual like, you know, big series, box sets, uh, famous television programs. And, you know, what better time to talk about it than when, you know, a lot of people are now self-isolating and going through binge watching sessions of programs they might have watched before or ones that they've never seen before and again recommended so this is a chance for us to talk about you know some of our recommendations why we think the like tv is a lot more relevant now and, and we've kind of had this conversation lightly before i think haven't we with with yourself matt when we were talking about like summer movies last year we were saying about how you know streaming and television has changed a lot of that as well yeah so what, what do you guys think like first off just you know in terms of like netflix and you got all these different rivals, Disney Plus, Amazon Video. You know, they got these big, expansive series, often with quite big budgets. Um, do you think that now that we're in this sort of like self-isolating mode and stuff, people are going to cling to them even more now that the sort of cinemas are sort of like temporarily yeah. closed? Absolutely. I, I think that this is the golden moment now for all of the sort of second tier TV shows that have been made over the last sort of like, you know, 15 years, because we're sort of, you know, everybody kind of stays in touch with, you know, the big ones as they happen. So Orange is the New Black, Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad. Uh, and then you sort of have the ones that are just kind of bubbling just below that, that sort of some people might watch and others sort of uh, might not get a chance to. But now people will be catching up on things like Better Call Saul or The Witcher, you know, those sort of programs that are still good but are not sort of yeah. hyped up to the max level. I think the big one at the moment, talking about Disney Plus, obviously, is The Mandalorian. And uh, But, yeah, there's there's a lot now being shown, like all of The Simpsons, like you, as you said, are on Disney Plus. So, yeah, there's a huge amount to wade through, and I think it, it is a great time for the, those sort of second-string TV shows that might not have had a chance to get that wide an audience originally. Yeah, that's true. And and like I said, it's it, a part of it as well is nostalgia. That's the biggest takeaway I had from, well, from Disney Plus, obviously from the get-go. It was always about, you know, hooking people in with this nostalgia of old programs. Like I think there's even a playlist on there, like 90s, 90s TV shows, um, because they're very much targeting those children who grew up with things like Goof Troop and the animated Spider-Man and yeah. Gargoyles. And yeah, it is a great moment to to rewatch those. Like, you know, now that everyone's like self-isolating and everything, like I'm getting up every morning and I'm just like watching an episode of Spider-Man or like Gargoyles in my serial. And I'm like, it feels like being 10 again. <laughs> you know, it's great. <laughs> Craig, what, what do you sort of think in terms of like after all of this is over, a lot of people could say, well, the only films that maybe we would see in the cinema is your Avengers Endgames and your... Um, you know, your massive tentpole billion dollar films, whereas you've got like other stories and other films, like especially Star Wars, that people could be like, no, this needs to be told in a 12 episode story, like the Obi-Wan series is meant to be doing. So can you see people turning more and more to series based formats? Not really, because I think 
there's always going to be a lot of stigma around certain elements of te- uh, television. I mean, one, I think people are still going to perceive television shows to some degree having a, a lesser of a budget. So when it comes to like those type of stories, I think people are still going to want to go to the cinema for them. Two, as I discussed in the last episode, we are just going to be in the situation where people just want to get out of the house. And yeah. having is having TV shows that basically encourage people to consistently go back inside is not something I think is going to be very viable once all of this is over. I think that's an interesting point, actually, Craig. I think that, uh, obviously, for as long as we're all sort of quarantined and in lockdown, TV is king. But then yeah. even after we get out, I don't think this is going to be a great year for summer blockbusters because if we're out by summer, which we might not even be, but, you know, as as an example, people might not want to hang out in a dark room and be quiet. They might want to just be outside or just, um, you know, go and do sort of social things as opposed to isolating things. So I, I don't know. Maybe it will, t- like big summer blockbusters will take a hit maybe. I mean, I'm not against it totally because I think another thing which is happening at the moment is a lot of people, um, not just you know idiots like me, but people who are, who are good at these things are, are writing new material, and this yeah. could be a boom in the opposite direction for for indies and for for startups who might have a bit more of um, a look in once uh, once this is all cleared. I think this all all massively dependent on the type of release schedules we're going to get once we actually know when we can emerge yeah so at the moment we just don't know i think if we go into winter then it's got more of a chance but i think if yeah. we if we sort of i mean the way that it's looking at the moment there'll be cycles of it possibly going on uh more than you know just the initial quarantine so if we get a period where we're allowed out and it's still summer then i think that's going to be it and i don't think that it's going to be good for the the the, uh, the movie industry but i think if we sort of push into autumn before things calm down then there'll be more of a chance of uh, of a big cinema boost i think as well like the cinema has always been a good uh element for some people to be an in-between so if somebody isn't that you know outdoorsy or uh you know a bit more introverted it does give people a chance to be like, oh, well, I am going out. I'm going to the cinema, yeah. but they can have a meal before they go to the cinema or they can have a meal after the cinema. So uh, I suppose it, not everyone always sees it as, like you said, Matt, it, it is very true that you would be like stuck in a room with a lot of people. And I think that will affect people go into the cinema. Uh, but I think eventually, ultimately down the line, what Craig said is also true in that like people will just want to get out. And even though oh, it's yeah. getting out into an into a darkened room, they'll still feel that they are they are out in some some context. But well, as but long yeah, as I, new movies are being released, then obviously people are going to see them. And like there are always going to be the hardcore cinema fans. There are going to be, like I said, people who might be introverts and who might just want to go in and, and, and you know go out and do something within their sort of control areas. But I think that if we're looking at overall cinema figures, I think in general they'll take a hit based on the chunk of people who will want to be doing things outside more sociable etc but again like i said you know uh, this will normalize eventually and obviously you know the, the cinema will return to normal i think but uh, i think in the short term anyway it's probably going to take a hit well at least for this year yeah yeah and i think uh what you said is very true as well in terms of like looking back at stuff um because it's not going to just be the release of films and tv programs that are affected it's the filming of them so even though a lot of people might be like 
oh, this gives me a chance to watch all three seasons of that program I never watched. Well, that fourth season might not be delayed because they're not able to film that fourth series. Yeah. And obviously it has massive effects, especially on weekly TV programs, you know, dramas like soaps and stuff that come out every week. You know, how are they going to survive? They're going to have to stretch out their content. So it could see a boost in animation as well. It could see animated features sort of uh, being pushed to the forefront, uh, especially ones that are not overly complex like ones that can be done sort of online, like obviously having to get everybody in a room. You can record yeah, all the separately. You've got your animators working separately. So, you know, it it, it definitely could. I mean, I like Bitmoji, uh, part of Snapchat. Uh, that obviously has like Bitmoji TV at the moment. And that's obviously very sort of limited animation. Uh, but it's sort of like got its own weird little TV channel that shows an episode of uh, sort of, I don't know exactly how it works, but sort of like breaks down and has like an episode or something uh, every day. So that could be something that we start looking at in future, like, you know, ways of getting around this by creating content that doesn't require everybody being in the same room. Yeah. And it's also digestible content, isn't it? I think, was it, uh, is it Peacock or one of the, uh, one of the big streaming uh, channels was making, or was uh maybe it was the Steven Spielberg one where they're sort of involved in making a lot of short content for this sort of like mobile streaming app, which would just be focused on shorts and you know digestible content. Um, so stuff like that could be like really relevant as well. You yeah. just got me thinking as well of like the technology. Obviously, they've been working out um on for the past few years things like talking in Rogue One and like you know digitally creating like old actors and stuff. I'm just imagining now they're like <laughs> they're like damn it. I wish we could have had this technology so we could create an entire cast. Yeah. And like voice them all over in a film. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, you know, I, I think we talk about this every time I come on here, but I, I rewatched Rogue One again recently. I've watched three films since I've been un- under lockdown. Um, oh, yeah. Work and other commitments have sort of kept me away. Uh, two sort of Netflix films, and the other one was Rogue One, which I pretty much watch. You know, like I think probably like ten times a year. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I watched it, and, and this sort of like I, I, the talking is not perfect, okay, but I still think it's a fantastic addition to that film. And the animation of talking is way better than any of the animation in the Phantom Menace or any of the of the prequel trilogy films, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So, what are your guys' opinions on like good binge worthy box sets, etc., to watch? What what are your sort of go tos? Um, in this sort of time, what have you been watching? What do you think is a good time, you know, good series to watch if people have never seen it before? You know, something with a lot of series, maybe. Craig, what, what have you been sort of checking out? So the main thing I've just been doing is catching up on uh, various things I've pledged to finish. So last night, I finally finished uh, The Good Place. One of the few comedies I've seen recently that had me crying a bit, but also like genuinely like smart humor. Uh, for those who was aren't... it the final series you said? Oh, yeah, it, it's complete. Like the entire show is done. Yeah. So for a while, yeah, I'd no, only seen... I had somebody else say to me, "It was, it was a great end into it. it. Like wrapped things up like perfectly." And they were like, "Oh my god, like, yeah, this definitely really happened." Yeah, I would say it's sort of um, sort of Return of the King of comedies, where it feels like it would have a lot of natural ending points, but it keeps pushing things forward. So I think that's okay. why it has like a really well well-rounded ending because where you would assume it would end at the first point it just keeps going 
uh, and comes to a more natural, better conclusion. But also just the yeah, characters and performances are incredibly enjoyable and likable. Uh, Matt, what was one you would so recommend or suggest? Um, my big recommendation at the moment is Twilight Zone. Jordan Peele's The Twilight Zone. Okay. Uh, which is on Sci-Fi, available on, on OTV. Um, it, I'm under no illusions on it. It is ultimately exactly what The Twilight Zone should be. And that is one third of the episodes are incredible. One third of the episodes are good. And one third of the episodes are terrible. And that is the formula of the Twilight Zone. It will never, you'll never be able to escape it. Um, but it's yeah. where it hits, it really hits. Um, they've done an, an updated version of um, Nightmare at 20,000 feet, which is now called oh, Nightmare awesome. 30,000 feet. Uh, it's not the same. It's not even as similar to the Shatner version as the Lithgow version was in the 80s. This is a totally different thing, and it is great completely on its own. There are a couple of sort of episodes that they've worked on, some totally new concepts, and some that are you know, a little bit sort of in between, but it's totally worth the watch. Um, honorable mention, again, I, this is stuff that I've been talking about on We Make Things Fight, so I'm kind of carrying things over, unfortunately, here, but I still have to mention this. Uh, if you've got kids and your kids are cool, like if they're like dork kids, then you know, don't show them <laughs> this, not for them. But if your kids are cool, there's a, uh, you guys might even have seen it, an animated show on Netflix called Over the Garden Wall. Oh, I've always wanted to watch it. I remember it being advertised years ago and thought I was just intrigued because Elijah Wood was in it. But um, yeah, they, they keep advertising yeah. in. Yeah. It's got Elijah Wood. It's got Melanie Linsky. It's got Christopher Lloyd. It's got Tim Curry. It's got an amazing cast. It's sort of like in terms of content and tone, like if your kid can handle Labyrinth, it'll easily handle this. Like it's not, like all flowers and sunshine but it is perfect it's beautiful and you know it, it resolves itself nicely too so um if you know, i say it's for kids i i, I watched it on my own <laughs> uh, yeah. i was introduced to it by a friend we watched the first five episodes of it together and i finished watching it on my own i just think it's a, it's magical and there should be more things like it it's sort of traditional sort of western animation style um it's just very sweetly done there's songs there's scares there's a lot of humor in it a tremendous amount of, of really well placed and a lot of quite subtle humor so that that's another big recommendation for me yeah um, you, you you see a lot of like I, I i'm surprised that they never continued more with it because it's still it's quite a few years old isn't it but like you see loads of people talking about it and like it being like referred to over the years but i don't know whether yeah. they just felt that it was it was fine as it was or well, the show doesn't actually come to a conclusion, but I feel that if this is the thing that they end, then there are a lot of other shows that also should have ended by that right. logic, because um, this definitely has space for it for a, for, for a sequel or for another series. Um, it might not even necessarily have to include the same characters. There are a few things that are deliberately sort of left at the end of it just to kind of give you a little bit of a wistful feeling that definitely could be explored. Um, yeah. It, yeah. I think that it's the kind of thing you don't really get this too much nowadays because I think a lot of cult shows end up being just savagely flogged of all of their nutrients, all of their cultural nutrients until there's nothing yeah. left. Um, 
like you mentioned the Obi One uh, Kenobi TV series earlier on, and like I am yeah. so against it. I am so against it, an Obi One Kenobi TV series because we know everything about Obi One Kenobi. We know where he was in his early life. We know where he was right up until he was in his like early forties. We know that he went to Tatooine. We, if you watch Rebels, have seen a thing that happens to him on Tatooine. And I think that yeah. that's probably the biggest thing that ever happened to him on Tatooine. And then we see how yeah. he dies. I don't think there's any space for any more story of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I would much prefer to see a character I'd never seen or heard of before in Star Wars. Because there's a tendency, I think, to flog things, uh, flog dead horses. And um, yeah, that that is... You know, we we don't yeah. get the cult hits that we do. We used to. We don't have you know labyrinths or dark crystals uh, so much now because they do get sort of ripped apart or just completely cancelled and forgotten about if they're you know not that good. <laughs> but yeah, that is the thing with like these sort of Disney shows, especially Obi Wan. It's very much transparently this was a movie which we're splitting up into five episodes or yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And it's again, it's that logic of like what can really happen to Obi Wan that seems plausible when he's on Tatooine. Like, I yeah. think the concept they were saying about this, you know, like, you know, Bail Organa's like, oh, we need, you know, Obi-Wan or, you know. Yeah, I, I find that to be largely abhorrent. And I hate the idea of, like, Obi-Wan being, like, a weird sort of, like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, desert detective. Like, exactly. <laughs> At most, all you could realistically have is just random character shows up looking for Obi-Wan. He has to deal with him. That's about as much as you can get. Yeah, which I like Matt says already rehappened with, with Maul, I suppose. Yeah. Um, the other thing as well with, with any Obi-Wan TV series is going to have to kind of be a Western on account of the fact that Tatooine is a Western. And at the moment, yeah. there's a way better space Western happening in The Mandalorian. Way better space Western. I think that's why they've delayed it is because worries that The Mandalorian was so well received is that there's a story clash that because The Mandalorian is about protecting a child then it could be just the same story again, which, like I said, that's why they've delayed Obi-Wan. Is it um, definitely going ahead? It's going ahead, but they haven't saw, like, where's before? It was, like, coming out in February 2021. Now it's just, like, it's on hold. We don't know what's happening kind of thing. So I, I, I'm fairly certain that it will get cancelled. And I think that um, with, with Obi-Wan as well, you can have him in other shows, absolutely. Because there was talk at one point as well of a Cassian Andor show from Rogue One. And I think that that's also kind of a pointless adventure, really, because you you know what happens to the character right before he even starts, which I know is a bit of a trope, that's fair, but they should just go some completely new, do something else like The Mandalorian. The two most successful things that they've done um, in terms of uh, critical reception and and fan love have been the Mandalorian and Rogue One, um, and that's because they've just taken us to somewhere new and exciting within what is an incredibly well fleshed out universe for space opera. You know, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. I I've seen the first episode now that's released in the UK, and I think when you were on the podcast before, you know, I was talking about um, my gripes with the JJ Abrams or like approach of like, honest, like have all different aliens and stuff. And you were like, Oh, you'll be happy with the Mandalorian then. And, and I was kind of like, mm, I'm not sure still, but yeah, you were right. That I watched the first episode and I was like, Oh, thank God. You know, I feel like it is like, it isn't just tokenism of like throwing in different aliens. It's like, they're yeah. just there. Like, they're a part kids, of the universe. Lando Calrissian. Yeah. 
yeah, it's like, and here's a, you know, Nemoidian or whatever, you know, it's just generally that they're just inhabiting the world. It's not like they're just throwing them in there as like, a, it's all like, oh, look, it's this species or whatever. It's just that yeah. they, they just happen, happen to be there. It's, it's a um, lived-in universe. That's why I think the Star Wars does lend itself to TV so well. It's something that I'm thinking about, like, doing something else on is, you know, Clone Wars, Mandalorian. I think that Star Wars is a lot more set up for television if, if you're going to talk about stories within the universe. If you're going to do a completely different story, then maybe a film can set that up because it's like, right, three new kids or whatever, and you, you take the story from there. But if you have a sort of like, oh, and let's talk about what, you know, the Republic was like in this certain time, or let's talk about this certain character, you need like episodes to flesh it out and you need to have different episodes which you can be like, right, and let's pay tribute to this element that the fans really like, but let's please these other fans with this episode. Whereas a film can't do that and there's so many types of Star Wars fans, that's what Clone Wars and Mandalorian is able to do is it can please different fan bases with different episodes. Yeah. Or just subtle subtle nods that you know films don't have that time for. So I think the Star Wars is perfectly set up for television because it's such an expansive world. Yeah, I, I think, agree. I think things like Marvel and stuff, we'll see how that goes with television. But I think that they are they're perfectly set up for movies. But yeah, we'll see how it goes with Star Wars. So I've gone back quite a few years as well and i've started watching the anime death note um because it's it's been one of the anime series that i've i've had on my list for a while so i thought i'd finally go back and uh get through it i'm about halfway through it now and yeah i'd say yeah the story itself is incredibly interesting uh just check it out basically guy comes across a, a book that you write someone's name in it and they die in like 40 seconds uh and then it becomes basically this this uh cop v uh criminal situation of just uh both both parties are trying to catch the other and just seeing how that they they use workarounds uh with regards to the powers and it's really interesting it's at the moment it's hitting a bit of a lull the point the point in the series i'm in but Hopefully things pick up again soon, but I'd say it's worth worth a watch, at least from the 18, 19 episodes I've seen. Yeah, it's definitely one of the more like revered animes because of like the other adaptations and stuff that they've they've had. Um Yeah, we don't those, talk so. about those. No, but I say it still shows that they know it's popular, whether those were successful or not is uh up to them. But uh yeah, definitely one that's always been on my radar, and like I said, I'm not big into like many animes because there's so many but obviously those are one of the big names uh craig you recently watched bojack horseman as well like because that sort of similar in terms of good place of like ending a series and like you know quite a lot of people followed it it's sort of an element of different comedy you know what, what did you find would you recommend that as well i love bojack but you've got to be like jesus christ do not go into it if you have any doubts on your ability to want to survive anything it is oh, bleak. It is so bleak, but in a poignant way. Um, just like the, just the cast of characters they have all suffer from some form of like mental health illness, uh, and just the way it impacts all of their actions. Are uh, even though they're all Hollywood characters, um, 
some of their actions are still quite believable, even if it goes to the sort of extreme ends of various depravity. Um, like the end, like the ending is slightly divisive from what I've seen, but for me, I thought it was incredibly strong. Um, especially yeah, the uh, especially the penultimate episode is one of the most interesting things I've seen in a while. Um, so an episode, it's an episode called "The View from Halfway Down," and it's called that because it features a poem uh, written from the perspective of someone who wants to jump off a bridge. Uh, and it talks about how their perspective changes as they get further and further down. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just like an absolute deep look at uh, mortality. Also has one of the most interesting episodes of TV I've ever seen. Uh, an episode which basically consists of like a 20-minute monologue. Uh, but it's a great monologue. I'm actually trying to learn it word for word in my off time. Oh, wow. Also an example an example of what Matt was on about earlier about having like animation as a good alternative for storytelling. And, you know, again, it can be adult storytelling, which things like Netflix are, are great for like something like big mouth. I don't think you ever would have got like on television. Oh, Jesus with, Christ, like... big mouth. <laughs> yeah. Something we yeah, never I would get on television, but something I never want on television. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with what you say about Bojack. I think the Bojack was one of the most grown up and, 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 intelligently written tv shows of um of recent years and it's about a big cartoon horse like uh, me and my girlfriend call it the sad horse show and um yeah. and you know ironically so, I, was, like, I, I was introduced to it by an ex and i stopped watching it for a yeah. while because of that breakup oh right i'm okay. glad i actually yeah. got back into it yeah um I could see why that would what would make you perhaps not want to watch it on account of the content of the show as well. But yeah, that it's just so well written. And like you said, it is quite dark, but I wouldn't put people off watching it for that reason because I think that if you're in a dark place, it can be an incredibly comforting thing to watch. Because you yeah. can see how this develops and how people can change. And obviously Bojack makes a lot of repeated mistakes. And uh, you know there are characters around him that improve as a result of the of, of the choices that they make. And I think that if you are like those characters, then that's great. You're improving. But if you are making Bojack's mistakes, you really need to know that you're doing that so you stop doing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> once like once I've been watching again and on a similar tone, um, like recently because I've tried to watch a lot of stuff that I can sort of like have on in the background or to the side, so. No, I, I've got like things on my list, like um, say like The Witcher and Westworld, which I know would need my full attention. So whereas like sitcoms and stuff, I don't mind. So you can put it on in the background. You don't need to follow it as much. And like, you know, a great one for that before this entire isolation thing, I managed to get through all of Sunny in Philadelphia, which took me like a few years by like, you know, banged out like the last of the, the uh, last like eight series or so. Yeah. Like, oh, um, wow. Over the past like few months. And like that, you know, I, I I think where I left it was sort of like there was still season five. There was still like, you know, finding this footing somewhat and it was still entertaining. But, you know, it really starts to get great about that season six, season seven part. And, and yeah, like a great example of just dark humor. And, you know, maybe you have to be in the right mindset to watch it. But, you know, it does make you feel better about yourself that you're just not a horrible human being like they are. Yeah. But it has some amazing, amazing moments in it. And, 
yeah, some genuine moments that just made me laugh out loud. And and not always because of the darkest stuff. If it is, if you have a dark sense of humor, then you will love it for that. But I also do love just like the more subtle things. Like a lot of people love that episode where like Frank dresses up as like the art art dealer. Yeah. Um I, I can't remember his name right now, what he calls himself, but when he like goes up to that air conditioner, he's like, I love it. It is so good. And then it's like, that's just the air conditioner. He's like, but are we all just conditioning the air? We're making it hot and cold. And it's like, it's such <laughs> a good, use that like, for like a, a meme format, which is like piece of garbage, yeah. piece of garbage, this, this I like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah they do. Yeah. Um, and also, um, similar is south park i recently i was watching the newer series of south park a few years ago um but then stopped so i'm now like catching up on the two seasons that i missed in the past like two years um so the part i'm on is when they saw like a lot of the school shootings that got high in america and south park was having it as this sort of like a daily occur- like daily occurrence on every episode it would just like go to the school and you just hear gunfire and then the characters are just talking about something else. And at the end of every episode, it's like hashtag cancel South Park. And again, <laughs> very dark. They really pull no punches in that show. At oh, all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And yeah, the, the latest seasons are really like testament to that. They have some, um, yeah, amazing, amazing jokes and episodes, which, which I just love. Um, so that that's a great one as well to watch um, if you want, obviously, something that has a lot of seasons. Um, but I don't think necessarily, again, you need to like watch South Park from season one. You can just no. drop in at any point, really. I think um, South Park from season one nowadays is probably quite a depressing watch because you essentially see the world turn mm-hmm. from like the optimism of the, of the late 90s into like the full-blown Bush era and then just beyond. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the sort of like celebrity culture moments so where you had like the Britney episodes and stuff like where it's like now that, you know, that that's not really like as big a part of it as well. One that I actually came across on, uh, this is like uh, the one recommendation I, I came across on Disney Plus and this is more on the lighter side now. So like you say, Matt, with uh, Over the Garden Wall, etc. So something the kids and adults, I think, can enjoy. And I, I don't know why people never liked this. I actually was really on board with this show when it first came out. I watched it on uh, Now TV and it's now available on Disney+. And that's the Muppet series that they did like two, three years ago. Oh, and it was yeah. like in the style of like Modern Family. I really enjoyed it. I don't know why people like hated it so much. I thought it was good. I, I would have gone for a second or third season. Yeah. I didn't realize it was a hated show. Yeah, it just a lot of people were just like just didn't like the style. They said it was oh. too adult and they were like, Oh, I don't like seeing like, you know, the Muppets like make like alcohol or sex references. And I'm like, Yeah, but that's growing up with the audience. Not many, you know, kids are really into the Muppets anymore. Most of the people into the Muppets are the people who grew up with it, hence why yeah. the film in which they reboot the Muppet show is is so successful because they're they're tapping into their nostalgia and oh yeah yeah for sure from what i saw as well it got re- really similar criticism to the uh to the newest looney tune show which was that they just put the Mu- muppets in way too realistic of a situation and i was just like well why is that so bad watching incredibly weird and wonderful characters dealing with the kind of bull that we have to deal with on a on a day-to-day yeah. life are we not all weird and interesting characters now ourselves i mean I am. I'm not sure about David, but <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like lots of uh, lots of recommendations there, guys. Um, 
what I said earlier, Craig, we were talking about Star Wars and different worlds. I was going to say it is relevant to Game of Thrones because that is another example of like having your fingers in too many pies and like something coming to a, an unsatisfying resolution. I think it may be just at the end of this conversation is worth just noting that program is again a television show that didn't quite hit hit the mark. And I think it's quite relevant at the moment because a lot of people saying, oh, I never watched Game of Thrones and so now's my chance to watch it in isolation. And, you know, I get this twinge of sadness in me now where it's like, you know, three, four years ago, I'd have been like, yeah, watch it. And like a year later, I'm, I'm, I'm still like affected by like how <laughs> how they handled that that finale. It, you know, it, you know, what are your guys' thoughts on it like a year later? Do you, would you recommend somebody like, oh yeah, now you're in isolation, go watch all eight seasons of Game of Thrones? Would you, would you say that? Well, it depends on the kind of viewer you are really, because if you're the kind of person who cares about the end goal, and you can only enjoy stories on the on the basis of how all of the characters end up in the end, then it's really hard to recommend it. But if you're the kind of person who can enjoy moments purely in isolation, and you can have like a natural cutoff point for yourself in terms of when you can stop watching, then I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, that's true. It's got so many like highs and great moments that you can't just completely write it off. Did you see it through, Matt? Or did you? Did yeah, you ever... yeah, I saw it through. At the time, I was kind of supporting it because it's just like everyone was like going crazy about it from the start and my feelings on it was look just let them tell the story because you don't know how it's going to end but i think by the time i got to the last episode i was kind of glad to see that the the characters that i like made it through and you know the, you had the sort of like um the uh um stand by me ending where you, you find out where everybody did next um yeah Oh, I still but, love the eight the the eighties recut of that where they have like all yeah. of the stupid biographies. Oh yeah, the Breakfast Club one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it has like Ghost think... receives many pets and is a good boy. Yeah, <laughs> but I think a year on, um, I, the bit that never sat right with me was the sudden change in direction of um, Amelia Clark's character of um, Daenerys. I think that yeah, it was hinted at. Yeah, definitely, but it really wasn't developed enough to be to to turn her into like Dragon Hitler by the by the end. Um, and I think that yeah, most of it was fine. Like the the stuff involving the War of the Kings, um, uh, most of that was fine, apart from obviously just the the radical turnaround by the end, and also the uh, uh Jon Snow is not going to be killed; he's going to go to the Wall, and they're like, okay, uh, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a strange one. Um, I think that it will be looked upon as a massive missed opportunity, and I think that Benioff and Vice will not be uh, remembered kindly for messing it up. With the rumors are that they wanted to go into a different Disney show, like a Star Wars show or something. Were they meant to be doing but the trilogy at one point? They were going to do like a new trilogy, and then that's all like turned into one film, and then it just turned into like nothing. <laughs> well, all I gotta say is lol. If that is the case, if that's what they were, yeah. gonna, if that's what they slide off for, and also shame on Disney for doing that in the first place. It's like, you know, don't give those people that ultimatum. Don't wreck this show for everybody just so you can potentially have this with um with these two directors. But yeah, I mean. They did a they did a really good job of most of the show, but I think yeah, that last series was a bit of a hot mess. 
Yeah, I think ultimately it proves that like George R. R. Martin's stuff was the gold, and that's how they got through those first five or six yeah. seasons. Because once they obviously weren't based on the books, then you know they didn't have then like fresh or good ideas themselves to like make it genuinely like embedded in what the story was about. So, like I said, yeah. for me, you know, it still has some of like my favorite moments in television ever. And like Craig said, I think if somebody is genuinely like invested in how it ends up i can't say like oh you know it's one of those programs where you'll be satisfied by the end um so i think that's completely true but at the same time like one of my favorite moments ever is still that hold door hold the door thing like that is still one of my favorite moments of like television or even some moments of film ever because i just think that was so clever and that entire episode is just masterfully done but yeah it came from george george r, r. martin was involved in that that story point so you know, that's why it's important to to link it into this one person, which like we were saying with Star Wars. And but yeah, I, I think it is sad looking back on it. Like I said that they didn't manage to hit the nail on the head. And, and you know, they had an opportunity there to have like this like ultimate series, which people were saying that it was for six seasons. But once it came to season seven, people got a bit shaky. And then by season eight, they were like, oh, so yeah, yeah it, it will it will be remembered for that, I think. And it is unfortunate. And it also gets remembered for that one interview uh, with uh, with the writers where they where they just come out and just say, yeah, so at one point Danny just kind of forgot that they had the Dragon Killers and just the amount of memes of that one clip alone I've seen is just, I think just sums up their entire career because they just rewrote everything saying, yeah, so so-and-so kind of forgot that it would be a stupid idea to do this. So they kind of forgot yeah. how fast dragons could fly and... And if you were a fan of a certain storyline or a certain character, like I said, there was just too much going on. Uh, Laura, who's been on the show before, she like commented on our social media. It felt totally rushed to me. I mean, six episodes when we were used to 10, apart from the season before, is a massive difference. There were so many side plots that would resolve simply because the time wasn't there to use. You know, and I think that was right. Like, you know, I was a big fan of like Varys. And I think the actor who played Varys apparently walked out of the read-throughs for that episode in which he died because it was such a disservice to the character. And good on him because it was, you know, people invested in this character for so long. And then just to see him like just snubbed like that was, was you know, really unsatisfying. Oh, and just seeing Amelia Clark in public talking about the show is just entertaining. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think? Shall uh, we do the movie vault this week? Obviously, we usually have movies. <laughs> do you think we put a TV program in there? Let's have the film um, safe. Sorry, the TV safe. Yeah, the little miniature safe that's inside the movie <laughs> vault. Yeah, so would you say something like Game of Thrones? Like, you know, would you say because of that eighth season, it's used to go in there? Is the other ones that we've mentioned that you think, you know, should go in? What, what were your thoughts on that? Game of Thrones is, is a tough one because everyone says, you know, this has changed this is a game changer. And it was a game changer. It did allow programs that would have never been considered before to be made, uh, like Westworld, which was, again, a response to Game of Thrones, or like The Witcher or, or any number of things. But also, I think it created or encouraged a lot of crappy clones as well, and a lot of sort of crappy historical TV shows uh, <laughs> yeah. stated to be the real Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, shows like the Tudors probably went through to their end on account of the fact that Game of Thrones existed. But yeah, um, yeah it's that it does peter out. But I, yeah, it is incredibly important. But I don't think like unless you include 
some newer shows potentially like Dark Crystal, maybe one or two others. I think that it produced more rubbish than it did gold <laughs> for, uh, from existing. But you know, yeah. then you could even suggest that the Mandalorian is a direct result of Game of Thrones of people being willing to taste a wider sort of platter than their their standard fare. Because before Game of Thrones, I think we forget this all too often now. Like uh, about the second or third series of Game of Thrones, there were like people in my office, like real sort of, you know, ordinary square people who were starting to pick up on this thing. And they were like, so yeah. is this still got dragons and people are riding the dragons and people are flying on the dragons? And I'm like, well, that's not really what it's about. And I think at that point they weren't. So they're like, okay, I'll give it a go. And then you've got a whole bunch of people now watching things that they would have never watched before. So yeah yeah worth saving the fact that it led to high budget television as well so even though like I said story-wise some of them might not be as great sometimes you can watch tv program like well at least this has now got good visual effects like doctor who for example like when you go back to like season one of doctor who oh yeah very bad like visual effects at certain points but you know obviously some of that is that the technology has come you know advanced as well but it's the fact that they knew, well, we're now up against these big budget televisions, so we have to to improve yeah. the quality. So um, I think that's definitely the case with like a lot of programs, like you said, like Mandalorian, BBC recently had um, his dark materials. Yeah. Um, so like that is obviously a, a direct result of, of Game of Thrones as well. So. Yeah, yeah. I think that the, this so. is the time now, the current crop that are coming up, the post Game of Thrones shows, are the ones that we will see that really push the envelope on on the high concept TV drama, because yeah. as you're kind of going through it, you've got the the proving ground. Then you've got these shows coming out around it, and then I think when you finish that that flagship show, that's when you get your next one. That's you know the end of Sopranos, the start of like you know The Wire and Breaking Bad, and then you have a small flowering of that era, and then you'll have to find something else. <laughs> Yeah, and it's true what you said as well, when you got people who originally weren't into those types of storytelling or into fantasy, which, you know, suddenly get into it. Um, again, when I was going through the Disney Plus stuff, I was watching the first episode of Gargoyles, and uh, one of the first, like, scenes in that is, like, after the there's been an attack and the Gargoyles have protected the castle, is, like, this uh, castle courtroom in which this queen is, like, sat at the top and there's, like, two vertical tables going down and there's, like, a band inside, and I was like... <gasps> it's the red wedding and then like if you've never seen gargoyles the fact that like it's in the opening to the show so it's not really a spoiler but the fact that like these knights come along and then like um day breaks and they like smash all the stone statues uh when the gargoyles are like stone i was like this is like game of thrones but like 20 <laughs> years ago you know there's like there's murder there's like you know backstabbing and like to be fair the show that i always call game of thrones for kids was uh, clone wars yeah, that too. Yeah, that has a similar sort of like dark elements and stuff. Yeah, I think it's important to put it put it in for what it did, and even if it teaches people like this is not how to, how to end the program, but like I said, for me, it just has so many highs that it it would still have to go in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, any others that we've mentioned? Do you think worth going in? I mean, there's so many. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like because Matt and I resonate over it quite highly, I would recommend BoJack Horseman. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, we'll keep it to like the ones show. we've mentioned. It's another trailblazing show. I think that this like might be, you know, the next thing. The, the I mean, in fact, this feeds into this is a big sort of 
sort of callback to what we were talking about earlier on. So you've got this current era now of the high concept fantasy drama coming of age, and we'll start to see some something different, something new, and something interesting from it. Then obviously it will start to fall by the wayside, and then you'll have to pick up the next thing. So maybe Bojack is the birth of this new sort of grown-up adult sort of uh, animated show that is going to be promoted by the fact that, like I said earlier on, that we might see an, an increase in animated series that because they're easier to film with everybody separate. Yeah. One I think is relevant to the conversation we've had, even though I saw we've had animation covered with BoJack, but it, I am thinking about South Park because like, oh, like you said, so. Matt, it did encapsulate. Oh, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know what your feelings are as a collective as Twilight Zone, but to me, I thought it was quite interesting with South Park as well, is that you said you would see that transition of history from, um, you know, the optimistic 90s through to like, you know, post 9-11 and, and to this day. So yeah. that, that would be, yeah, would be interesting to be in there just for that reason. Um, yeah, for sure. And a show that's managed to keep its quality, whereas other animated series like Simpsons and Family Guy have varied wildly. South Park has always sort of maintained its level. Yeah. yeah. Even when it does like certain misfires, there's, there's still nothing egregiously bad to, to turn like the entire series uh, into a mess. Yeah. yeah. The misfires are more to do with tone usually than content. Oh, yeah. 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 Three Simpsons fans are like <laughs> putting the South Park in before the Simpsons, <laughs> which is quite funny. But. That's and again, it's your, but it's, if using the logic of the Game of Thrones, given the fact yeah. there are only uh, like there are what twenty five seasons now of Simpsons, more than that, I think thirty or so, yeah, about, about 30, thirty, and yeah. most people say that about ten are good. Yeah, exactly. So it's not even half. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I I would say those three. If you're good with that, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Okay, so going into the movie, uh, well, whichever we want to call it, going into the movie vaults TV safe <laughs> this week is Game of Thrones, South Park, and Bojack Horseman. Into the movie vaults TV safe you go. <laughs> okay, so today uh, with this game, with this end game. Um, one of the things we not really talked about with regards to TV shows is essentially their initial hook. Uh, the way that a lot of people usually get into these TV shows, which is often the theme song, the theme, uh, the opening credits. So this game is called, uh, welcome to my themes park. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. So the idea is, uh, and here's the exciting part. I created a compilation video on YouTube. Basically what I want you to do is listen to the clip and it's fastest buzzer first uh, to basically sit and you just need to give me the name of the TV show. So David, what is your buzzer sound? And Matt, what is, because you're using a laser gun, if I'm right. Yes. So what is one of the various sounds your laser gun could make? I mean that literally just sounds like you blowing, but uh, I'll I'll take. That your... sounded like a that sounded like a rave, like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, clip one. Uh... 
Torchwood. Torchwood. Is the answer Torchwood? Yes. Eh. <laughs> so that's one point to David. Okay, are we both ready for clip number two? Yes. Sopranos? It is indeed the Sopranos. Oh. <laughs> I just said the HBO theme. I was like tempted just to put Game of Thrones. Just with That's what I was kind of hoping you would do. And <laughs> it would be so satisfying to be like, no. <laughs> Lord the middle trap. Yep. So yeah. So that is uh, one point apiece. Excellent. Are we ready for the next clip? Yes. Yes. Here it comes. David, is it is it Downton Abbey? It is yeah. indeed Downton Abbey. <laughs> I think I only know that because the film came out not long ago, so I think I heard it then. Well, you actually saw the film? No, it was just when the trailers were playing and stuff. Okay, fair enough. So, excellent. Are we ready for the next clip? Yes. Okay, here we go. Matt. Bojack Horseman. Oh. <laughs> it is indeed the sad horse show. Uh, Bojack <laughs> Horseman himself. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm loving this at the moment. It's basically anytime a British show is on, David gets it. Anytime it's American, <laughs> Matt gets it. <laughs> the question is, how many shows of each nationality have I included? <laughs> okay, so the next clip. Ready? Yep. Yep. Oh. <laughs> is it uh, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Is it Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yeah, it is. My fingers are literally like adding pressure. I could feel like the pressure in my muscles like and apply. And I was yeah. like, no, too late. So after five clips, uh, David is on two and Matt is on three. Oh, cool. Clip number six. Here we go. Oh, Matt. I was like, is that part of the opening? <laughs> Captain Scarlet. I'm looking for Captain Scarlet. Oh, yeah, boy. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I play this game when, um, like, like, if I have, like, people around the house, I'll, I'll host a game of Guess That Theme Song and, and make <laughs> people... I am so prepared for this. So prepared <laughs> for it. Oh, that would be I hear that. I did it with reverse ones not long ago. There was one on YouTube, which was like theme songs in reverse. And I was doing well at that. So I knew it was something like that, but I just didn't know if it was like Joe 90 or something. So I gave it a bit more time. But... The thing is, I was desperately trying to find one for Stingray. Uh, but the only instrumentals I could find was a school orchestra playing it. Oh, wow. <laughs> and also a heavy metal version of it, which was notably awful. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, are we ready for clip number seven? Yes. Yeah. Here it comes. David. Uh, is it Brooklyn Nine-Nine? I'm looking for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Just beat me I, to the buzzer there. Just I got an American there. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, the shortest theme song of today's selection, which oh. is kind of cool. Yeah. As you get newer, it's just going to be very, very short. <laughs> cool. All right. So after seven clips, David is on three and Matt is on four. So this is incredibly oh. tight. Cool. Are we ready for clip number eight? Yeah. Yes. sounds like game like music for like a video game or something um it's like a clue as to like the era or type of is it like a kids program or something it sounds like a... it is a bbc one drama david uh, jonathan creek no look at jonathan oh, creek what's... i think i said the wrong one i was thinking of but well you don't get another chance matt yeah. do you want to throw out any guesses nah i have no idea Okay. The answer we were looking for was hustle. Oh. Oh, right. Okay. Well, see, I thought we had, like, the tortured one. I was like, oh, of course, Craig would put tortured. <laughs> oh, you. But then you put in two of your favorite programs. <laughs> I mean, I this is my end game. I can do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> okay. Are we ready for clip number nine? You bet. David. Uh, Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. Looking for Batman the Animated Series. I've been watching it lately. So. <laughs> so, that is indeed Batman the Animated Series. And... We've only got one clip left, and you're on four points apiece. Oh. <laughs> Literally everything to play for for this last one. Are we ready? Yes. Matt. 
This is a long shot, but is it his dark materials? I'm looking for his dark materials. Ah, poo. <laughs> Which Simpsons character? Nice. <laughs> um, I don't know. It sounds like ret- to me. It sounds like really like eighties or something. But uh, Crystal Maze. What? so the answer was Sherlock oh Oh, I hate that show (laughs) (laughs) so at the end of that you are both on four points apiece but I have prepared for this situation basically this comes down to a final question which will be exclusively asked to Matt the result of this will determine the winner of this game so it's basically, the question, do you... I think that David should lose. <laughs> no, so basically, uh, I'll ask a question to Matt. If you get the question right, you are the winner. If you get the question wrong, David is the winner. Okay. So, are we ready? Yes. One of those ten shows is my yeah. favorite TV show of all time. Which yeah. one is it? Is it Torchwood? Matt has gone for Torchwood, and the answer oh. is... <laughs> David, you know the answer. What's my favourite TV show of all time? Hustle. <laughs> <laughs> Hence why I said earlier, I was just like, oh, you put in Torchwood, but I didn't think you'd put in the favourite. <laughs> yeah, that's why... I, yeah, so I was really hoping that Matt would have... would have, like, Taking followed up on your video. explanation of that. I, I could not remember what the second show was. <laughs> oh. That theme is so unmemorable, Matt can remember. <laughs> I, and not only can I not remember the theme, but the whole show. <laughs> I, this is painful, man. But yeah, so that basically means that David is the winner of uh, the end game for today. Fix. <laughs> I tried to I'm on three. in your favor, Matt. <laughs> that means I'm on three for three when I've been against the guests for the last three episodes. <laughs> what a reputation we're getting. We're a show that beats its guests. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Matt, for joining us today on our first lockdown episode uh, via the internet. Always a pleasure. We'll uh, hopefully be seeing you soon as well for our uh, anniversary show, which I mentioned to you before. It's been very fun. Yeah, thank you very much. Anything you want to plug or you've been into lately that you want to talk about? Yeah, I've got a couple of things to plug. Uh, first of all, we have a new episode of We Make This Fight, which should be coming out uh, by the end of this week or start next week. Um, it is our second lockdown special. We've had um, uh, Drew versus The Living Dead, which was our first one. And the, the second one is, is it's just us having a little chat about um, things to help you survive this crisis. A little bit like what we've been doing today. And also I recently recorded um, an episode of Smart Welsh People with um, Dr. Dean Burnett, the neuroscientist, author, podcaster, and columnist. Uh, That episode is actually available at the moment. It's the second episode where we talk about my um, Welsh smart person credentials. (laughs) So, yeah, both of those things. All my gigs have been cancelled, so I've got nothing live to, to plug at the moment. Yeah, we don't want to be encouraging live interactions. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, Smart Welsh People's been reviewed quite highly by the Radio Times, hasn't it? It has indeed, yes. We've um, been given uh, 
I think it was like Podcast of the Week by the Radio Times, which is great because there's only been two episodes so far. Uh, so that means that only two guests have been interviewed, including Dr. Dean Burnett, obviously the presenter. That means that one third of the credit for that belongs to me. <laughs> <laughs> you were like one of the two smart Welsh people in people's like knowledge at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Thank you, Matt. Like I said, we hope to see you soon. Um, and like I said, ev- everyone is like similarly going through the same thing. We're all creating content that helps people get through this time, as you said, with We Make Things Fight. Um, like I said, it's on all good podcast outlets, uh, Spotify, iTunes, We Make Things Fight. Uh, you can catch us as well, Well Good Movies, on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow our parent website, which is Fresh Take, which is freshtakehub.com. And uh, then it's slash well good movies for all of our previous episodes. Uh, please go on to our iTunes page if you are an Apple user. Give us a five star rating and a review. It helps us out a lot, um, especially during this time. Uh, and yeah, any follows, any like social media likes, uh, always appreciated. Uh, anything else from yourself, Craig? Nope, just stay safe and enjoy some shows. Back into the Vietnamese prison for the rest of the <laughs> Hi, then. Okay, thank uh, you yes. very much, guys. Yeah, thank you very much, everyone, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh dear.